I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Welcome back to the But Why series of the BU Find Happy Podcast. I'm Michaela Renee Johnson, your host, licensed psychotherapist. And honestly, we're getting real. We're getting raw. And a lot of you are cheersing. I've been getting some great feedback. So thank you. I'm so glad that I made the leap to have these really kind of super conversations and Thank you, thank you for being here. Hit subscribe, hit like, forward this podcast. Send me your messages, questions, comments, gripes, complaints. I want to hear it all. I know why, <laughs> but why? <laughs> Hi, Sonia. I am so excited to have you on the BU Find Happy podcast. We're going to talk all things couples today. But before we dive into that, can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? And then we'll get right into the questions. I've got so many so many good, raw, real couple questions of like real things that, that people are dealing with right now. Um, can you share a little bit about what you do? Oh, uh, yes. And first of all, thanks for having me on your show. Um, oh, it's so glad you're here. Thanks. Well, I'm like you, very, uh, very passionate about empowering people going through life's difficulties. I'm an attorney. I have been practicing for 25 years. I have my private practice and I do immigration and family law. I do divorce law and I'm also an empowerment trainer and author. Well, that is fantastic. Um, empowerment author. I love that. I love, I love all things empowering, especially during, you know, pandemics and civil wars. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very much really needed. Going on right now. Oh my goodness. It is. So, um, so you you kind of deal with the falling out of couples, but let's back it up a little bit and see if you can share some advice, you know, with the way things are right now with the protests in the world. Um, we've got the political election coming up, which is quite possibly one of like the most um, emotional political elections of my time. What advice do you have for couples who have differing political views during this time? Like people who... Um, you know, maybe you have someone who's a Democrat, someone who's a Republican, someone who's Green Party, someone who's Democrat, someone who's fully independent, someone who's a Republican. How how can couples maneuver the explosiveness of this political election together? Well, let me tell you something. I am in a blue red marriage and <laughs> I've been in this relationship for 20 years and we have made it so far. So if we can make it for for 20 years, you can get through the election. Um, you know, and, and it's all a matter of compromise. You need to be um, willing to listen to the other person and try to see where they're coming from and, and look for commonality as opposed to areas in which you're different. Because when you're looking for differences, if that's what you're focusing on, that's what you're going to find. So my husband and I, for this is for true of like everybody right now. I feel like that's true of even my friendships. It's like 
if we get together and we talk about things we disagree on, and I'm all, I'm a big proponent of having um, healthy conversations. <laughs> um, but if I focus on the things that I disagree with my friends about, then it's very hard to be in the friendship um, actively, emotionally, because there's so much other stuff going on in the world that is exhausting and draining that my time with my friends, I want to be full of um, positive, hopeful conversation and not not necessarily our differences. Although, I mean, I think there is a time and a place and it's important to have those dialogues. So I'm not saying like I'm shutting out the other person's opinion or beliefs or anything like that. But I feel like right now when, you know, any one thing going on in the world would be a lot for a couple or for a friendship or for a parent-child relationship. But to add everything into the mix. And by that, I mean the forest fires, the the weather troubles, the rolling blackouts, the pandemic, the political <laughs> election, the protests. I mean, any one of those things would be hard on a relationship. And then you add all of them at the same time. And I think what you said is so important, like try to find the common ground and spend time with the people that you love in that space right now. Yeah. And if you think about it, you've been in relation with other people, with your friends, with your relatives for a long time. Is it worth sacrificing something that you've had going for so long over something that's just happening right now? Eventually, the dust will settle. You need to focus on where you're going from here as opposed to, where, you know, all the things that are going wrong right now and how you can make it happen together. I think it's a time. I, I like that. Uh, and I like what you said, the dust will settle. I think, I think what I'm seeing a lot in my psychotherapy practice is that people have been cooped up for so long with COVID and the quarantine that now they just don't have any space for, I mean, it's like they're getting set off by how their spouse chews food. <laughs> like, yeah. And if you add a differing, a political belief into the mix, it's like World War Three, you know? So, so, so let's, let's touch on COVID for, for just a minute here. What advice do you have for couples who are struggling with differing beliefs of COVID? So you've got one spouse who's like, it's a pandemic or it's, you know, or maybe believes it's a real thing, but is not at all fearful of getting it. Or, you know, if I get it, I'm going to be fine. And so they're going out living their life and they're stopping at the gas station and they're not masking up at the ATM or whatever. And then you have the other person who's like, I could die from this thing and you're bringing it home to me. What, what advice do you have for couples that are dealing with that? My advice on this and everything else is that a little empathy goes a long way. You need to figure out where is your partner coming from? Is the person coming from a place of fear? And, and this is a time when many of us are experiencing fear. Um, and why is this fear? Is it real to the other person? Especially if you have someone who has, let's say, um, is a high risk person. For instance, my husband is diabetic and I am very mindful that if he were to get COVID, I'm going to be a widow and I don't want that. And I just try to be accommodating of his comfort level. Uh, for instance, he doesn't want to get a haircut. He looks like a poetry professor <laughs> and. And I, I accept that. And I, I said to him, hey, listen, my roots are four inches long. What am I going to do? Are you uncomfortable with me going to the hairdresser? So you just have that conversation where you try to find what's the other person's comfort level and see if you can find a common ground and ways in which you can both 
re reach your, your, your individual goals without hurting one another and without hurting the relationship? Um, you haven't been offered to cut his hair. <laughs> I have. I have. Doing this. My, my husband asked for a haircut and I was like, uh, I don't think you want me to go there. Remember when I thought our son had lice and I shaved it? <laughs> I was like, I don't think we want to go. It ended up he didn't. And I was like the worst mom ever. Um, but... yeah, I hear it. I did offer to cut his hair and he declined. He wants me to, um, have the hairdresser come to the house. And I told her and she laughed in my face. That's funny. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I remember, like, just haircuts in general. I mean, I can kind of do, like, the number four over the top or something <laughs> when it comes to the trimming of the sides and the feathering and all that. I just don't have the skills. But, you know, I've acquired so many skills in the past six months um, that I didn't ever plan to acquire. So. <laughs> I guess that's saying something. Um, so, so what do you think the future of marriage is going to look like now that people can't really get out and date now that, um, young people are, you know, quarantined at home. Um, now that people who see people stuck at home are like, Oh my gosh, I don't want any part of that. Like, what do you think marriage is going to look like as a fundamental, um, existential thing in our, in our world? I am hopeful for the future of marriage. I think that, first of all, for people who are already married, this really gives you a time to explore the viability of your relationship and try to find, now that you have more time together, uh, find more things that you can do, try to rekindle what you had, explore what you had that brought you together in the beginning that maybe you have, um, you know, uh, loosened a little bit because you're so busy and the like. I think now we really have an opportunity to come together. It's funny. I was just on a webinar with Jack Canfield and he was just saying how this has been such a blessing in his marriage that he has spent during COVID more time with his wife than during his entire career. So I think we need to take the good with the bad and, and understand that we have opportunities to, first of all, understand what's really important in our lives. I think this has brought us closer to our own mortality and understanding what's really important in our lives, family, friends, relationships. So this really underscores how important it is to treasure the people we have in our lives. So I'm hopeful in terms of people who are dating, um, maybe this is a way to explore how to get to know people better in another way that's not necessarily physical or sexual before you start you know, getting deeper in the relationship. So I am hopeful that this is this is a good opportunity for those people who are having conflict in their marriage. It might really exacerbate those things that get on your nerves and you really have a great opportunity to explore. Is this something that makes my my relationship unsustainable? And then, from yeah, there I mean, I think that through, throughout this, there's there has been a lot of really amazing um, pandemic silver linings. And I've actually uh, you know, I, I recently posted something on my social media that was saying, you know, these three words due to COVID and here's all the negative things that have happened. We've lost customer service. We've lost this. People, you can't see people's smiles, et cetera, et cetera, due to COVID, due to COVID, due to COVID. But due to COVID, I now get to spend more time with my son than I ever thought I would get to at this age. Due to COVID, I'm focusing on p picking the weeds out of my garden, which is something that 
you know, I rarely had time to do. And, and so there's, and that's just a hand. I mean, there's a million due to COVID. I'm, you know, keeping my family and friends closer than ever before. So I think that there are a lot of really good quote due to COVIDs, you know, um, but, yeah. but you have to want them. You know, I see couples that are really exhausted. They're, they're financially stressed, they're emotionally stressed, their dreams, their retirements, everything that they planned is up in the air. And now, and they're worried about, you know, g- getting this illness, which um, I've, I've preached for a while, for quite a few months now, the dangers of having elevated levels of cortisol um, from, a, from just a physiological standpoint, but not only is that going to wreak havoc on us, on our health and our, um, our physical and emotional health down the line. But it also makes it a lot more challenging for us to respond calmly in situations that normally would not have bothered us before. So we're already on edge. We're already in high alert. We're already easily triggered. Um, so I do think that it is a super challenging time. What, what are like five things that couples can do right now? to avoid going down the path of divorce? What are five positive things they can introduce into their relationship, into their marriage, things that they can do to keep it healthy during this super difficult time? I think, first of all, they need to to have an attitude shift as opposed to thinking, you know, our relationship is doomed. There's so much going around about the COVID divorce. And I think it is a myth. And to the degree that you um, feed into that and, and you believe that if you're having some struggles during the COVID era, your marriage is, is destined to fail. First of all, you need to reject that. That is not a reality unless you make it your reality. So that's my starting point. The number two, explore what are the problems that you're having and try to discern, are they related to COVID? Because if they are, understand, again, the dust is going to settle at some point. Try to write it out. Be like water. Go with the flow. And if you go with the flow, you will be able to get to the end much happier and healthier. So you need to keep that in mind. Try to find out what are the things that you can do together that will strengthen your relationship. I mean, you look for them, they're there. You will find them. What was it that brought you together in the first place? What kinds of things that you used to do, especially, you know, especially people who started out young and didn't have that much money. What were those things that you had to do when you stayed at home that, you know, you didn't have all the money to go out and and splurge? What did you do that brought you together? Because most of the, the, um, the things in life that, that are meaningful, are small and free, you know, like Antoine de Saint-Exupéry said, what's essential is invisible to the eye. Just try to try to focus on those things that bring you together and and uh, make the best of it. Do not try to focus on, on what's really positive as opposed to um, what's negative about my spouse, because I think that's what we're what we're looking at, like how my spouse is chewing or or the grooming or, or things that, you know, are, are unpleasant. But look at the heart. I think that God looks at the heart and you need to be looking at what's in your, your partner's heart. Especially if you have differences of opinion. You know, what's in the heart? What are, what are the core values of this person? What is it that makes this person beautiful and valuable in my eyes? And, and uh, focus on that instead of all the things that, that are displeasing to you. 
And also- yeah, I'll tell you, like one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is how much my husband and I do have in common as far as our our moral compass and our goals and dreams and aspirations. And like, um, you know, it feels good to know that I have a buddy um, for whatever is to come, which in people that have been listening to this podcast for a long time um, and more recently know that I've been feeling a very big energetic shift in the world. And, and uh, so I, I think that, you know, like you said, the the dust is going to settle, whatever that is going to look like. Um, you know, it, it is good to have this person that you did fall in love with by your side. Um, my friend blogged today, she said something incredible. She said, be careful what you say, because you are always listening. And as (laughs) you were talking, I was thinking about that. Um, you know, be careful on how your narrative is influencing your own opinion about what is happening for sure. Um, you know, like you can, you can insert so many great things like, like cooking a recipe together or Mm -hmm, taking up a hobby, like playing music together. One plays the drums, the other plays the guitar, whatever, you know, like there's so many different things you can get involved in games, playing scattergories or apples to apples as a family or or whatever it might be. There are a lot of really good learning poker. Um, you know, that was one of the things we did when my son was really little was my husband, we would sit outside with the little monitor on after he'd go to bed and my husband taught me how to play poker it was a great great bonding time you know it was really a a good life experience and I think that um I think that it is important I have a friend who went through a divorce right before COVID and now she's saying had I known (laughs) this was gonna happen Mm -hmm. I might have really looked at my husband a little differently and seen how we could work out our marriage a little more Um, and so, you know, that is something, and, you know, they say like, you should never make major life changes in the middle of a major life change. (laughs) And you should think of when you're going through the death of someone, don't sell your house or whatever. And I think that is true for COVID. (laughs) Like just chill for a minute. Like, let's just hang back because we've got enough really big life changes happening. Right. Yeah. You need to step back. And, and I, I like to think that you step back and then you spring to the future because one of the things that are very important for getting through this is thinking, where do we go from here? And, and don't assume it necessarily has to be negative. I have been um, looking into what happened after the Spanish flu in, in 1918 and there was a bonanza right afterwards. So don't assume that because things are kind of crappy right now, they're going to remain that way and think that some people have been able to thrive in the midst of this. This is bringing out who you are. Whatever you have inside is what's going to come out. If it's kindness, if it's goodness, that's what's going to come into expression. If it's not, you should probably work on that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I like what you said that we can look at the past um, to, you know, kind of give us some insight toward the future, stepping back to spring to the future. I like that. But the reality is that even if it's not, even if it's not better, it's going to be different. And, and I think that's important. Like we may not get right back to packed concerts and sporting events, but we're going to get back to something. And, um, or, or, or we're, you know, we're, we're going to move forward to something and how neat to be a part of that and how neat to be a part of that with, with someone. Um, so the reality is you are a divorce attorney, you work with divorced people. 
Um, what recommendations do you have for my listeners who may be in a divorced marriage? Um, I guess that's a, a, a oxymoron or what is it? The, what's that term for? <laughs> what, um, yeah, you can't be in a divorced marriage, but you are divorced um, and you have kids. What what is the um, what's the recommendation for couples who are struggling with a um school responsibilities now that a lot of kids are not back in school. And so that was the time that, you know, they worked and they did their errands and things like that. And, um, couple divorced parents who have differing beliefs on COVID and, and like, Hey, I don't want you taking my kid to the grocery store, or I don't want you taking my kid on an airplane or those sorts of things, especially coming into the holiday time and stuff. What, what recommendations do you have for that? I think you need to dialogue. I think you need to come to the table and sit down and talk about what's important to you and not just what's important. What is the end result that you want? If it, if you have kids, you need to make it clear to one another that what's most important, what what, uh, what really matters in the situation is the safety of the children and and uh, have try to have these conversations in ways that are not um, where you're not editorializing and you're not blaming. I think Part of the problem when you have with cop couples is that they blame one another instead of of listening. So you need to listen. What is it that you're trying to do? Do you want the kids to have um, like a more um, a, a bigger, a, a more opportunities to learn and to grow and, and ex to have certain experiences? Well, these experiences may not be safe at this time. Are there other experiences that bring the same results that are safer that we both feel comfortable with? And make it about the children and make, make it about their enrichment. In terms of um, all the schooling responsibilities, it's uh, you need to be there for one another. If, if you're married or, or if you're going through a divorce, you need to make sure that your children get the best education. I um, I will never forget something my gynecologist told me when I was 22 years old, and and I I wasn't even thinking about having kids or or marriage. He said to me, "What's really important in marriage is not that it's a 50/50. Sometimes it's an 80/20. Other times it's a 60/40. So you need to to talk to your spouse and say, "Hey, at this point, I need your support for this." This is what I can do and jump in and help one another find that balance. And if you can't be doing it 50-50 at this time, try to find a way of making sure the children have their, their, their needs met and then try to find other creative ways to, to have perhaps other people involved in helping you out. But you need to get creative. You can't, you have to think outside the box. You can't just go, you know, you're responsible for this. This is your 50 and this is my 50. You need to think your children are worth the 100%. I like that. And, you know, definitely one of the things I've been talking about a lot lately on this podcast is how, how much the kids are really being impacted and affected by this and how they, I think, often get lost in the mix. Um, they're silent, they're resilient, and so they're just chugging along. And, you know, we, their voices don't get heard. And I know um, a friend, uh, my sister-in-law actually sent me a meme today that was really amazing. It said, um, it's not that your kid is causing you pain. It's that your kid is in pain or something like that. It, it was something to that effect. And I don't have it exactly right. I, I'm going to try 
try to find it. Um, but it was really good. And it was just basically saying that when your when your child is acting out, it's because your child is going through something and that's the time. Oh, my child is not giving me a hard time. My child is having a hard time. I love and that. I, and I liked that because it is, it's, it's so true that like, that's their, that's their message. That's their signal to you. Like, Hey, I'm struggling in this. And I think that they're often just forgotten, not in the sense of, you know, like they're not, they don't even exist or something, but just that I don't think that we're, um, always as aware of how much what we're going through impacts them and how much what we say and watch and listen to impacts them as well. And they're little sponges. They're just soaking everything up all the time. Um, and I know that, you know, even, even talking on a political front, you know, my nine-year-old knows Biden, he knows Trump, he knows Kamala now, he knows, you know, he knows these names, um, because they are discussed in our home. So we have to be really mindful of that too. Um, and how, and how, what we're doing is impacting them. Um, that brings us to kind of an interesting thought. What about when parents have uh, in a marriage um, or divorced have differing political beliefs, religious beliefs? What recommendations do you have for how to manage that with kids? Again, it's all about compromise. I think you need to sit down and figure out what is it that we're trying to do. If you have different religious beliefs, um, do you agree that one religion will be uh, the predominant one? For instance, in my first marriage, um, I was, I am Catholic and he was Orthodox. And he said, I believe that a child should have the mother's religion. Um, so you need to talk about those things first. And uh, if you think the children should be exposed to more than one religion, then you need to figure out some ways that you're going to incorporate it. That makes sense. Um, that will not confuse the child. And if you are having some difficulty in that area, I'm really big on getting professional help, getting a therapist involved, having a neutral party who is going to help you navigate something that's sensitive because religion is something so personal. And for some people are so important that it's hard to see, uh, you see things in black and white. It's, it's hard to see a common ground, but you need to find it if you want your kids to be happy because you don't want your kids to be confused and even worse, just end up hating religion, you know, and having, having negative beliefs <sighs> or, you know, having negative attitudes towards religion. So you need to be very careful. And like you said, kids are sponges. They're picking up on everything, not just what you say, not just what they hear. But the way you act, they pick up on your body language. They're paying attention even when you don't think they are. I really, I really love um, the psychotherapy offer as part of the package because I do think that, um, you know, your friends and your family are going to be cited and jaded. And um, the psychotherapist, I, I just recently shared a story about this, how, how much we control a narrative by um, – what, we, how we phrase questions. And this is true for our kids. It's true everywhere. But I see, I've been seeing this. I saw an ad, um, on, 
on Facebook, my sister-in-law sent me a thing that popped up on her Facebook. It was an ad and it popped up and it said, um, do, do you believe this ad is offensive? If so, report it. And the translation is, is offensive, report it. I mean, it's, it's absolutely a form of, of leading an yes. opinion with an opinion, you know, of leading a narrative. And so we do this with our kiddos too. You know, if you say, um, you know, uh, peas are gross. Do you like peas? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just tell your kid, you know what I mean? You just told them peas are gross or, or if you say something, uh, you, you know, there's various different ways in which we do that. But I think that, um, a therapist is able to maneuver some of these dialogues because they do not have an emotional attachment to your outcome. Precisely. So they're able to show up with open-ended questions that are not harmful, that are not directed or opinionated. And this is why therapists will often say, well, how do you feel about that? I know that's the question that people are like, oh, how do I feel about it? They're asking you that because they're, they're looking to you to solve your own issues from within to look into yourself to come up with those answers rather than say, yeah, that mama year, she's a big pain. You know, there, that would not be beneficial for a therapist to do. Instead, it would be, well, how did you feel when your mom said that? Oh, well, I felt blank, blank, blank. Okay. Well now you're creating your story from how you really feel within. And I think that oftentimes um, when we get into dialogues and conversations, they're very leading. Um, they're very defensive. We don't show up in a way with open-ended questioning. We, um, we don't show up in a way that's validating and acknowledging. I often tell my couple's clients, you can validate and acknowledge without agreeing. Um, but we, we get our defenses up. We get emotional. We get into that fight, flight, or freeze space real fast. And, um, and that's all good stuff when it's needed for our personal defense, but so often those things show up um, as instant triggers and then no healthy rational dialogue can come from that. So I do think a psychotherapist can be very good because of the way that they kind of manage those, those conversations without attachment. And the other thing too, is I think emotionally focused therapy can be really, really good. I've, I've seen great results with that in couples work as an emotionally focused therapist when I do couples work and also, um, just from the perspective of really getting to the heart of the matter. So we're stripping down the what, the why, the, the, the what the arguing is about. And we're bringing it down to the core thing inside of you, which is typically I'm fearful of this, or I think you think this, or I'm afraid that I'm letting you down or whatever it might be. And from there is where the real positive work can happen because empathetically we can show up for someone when we understand what their pain point is. Yeah. So. And I think that the open-ended questions are so key because that way you just bring out what's really going on. One thing that I say about people who are couples who are having conflict, it's not usually what you think it is about. Very often you think a disagreement is, is about a particular thing or sometimes something really petty. Let's say, you know, the way somebody chews or the way um, your, your spouse leaves uh, the toilet seat up or whatever. It's not really about those little things. It's about something underlying. It's, it's the story. It's what you make of it. It's like, uh, you know, he doesn't care about me. He does not respect me. So you're creating your own narrative out of something else. So that's where the open-ended questions come in really handy. It's like, okay, so why do you get so, why are you upset about this? How does my, my leaving the toilet seat 
make you feel because that way it opens up yeah. the conversation to what's really inside and and the the answers are inside not just the questions but the answers too and you need to get to the bottom yeah. of it to create resolution yeah when you leave the toilet seat up i feel unheard because i i feel like you don't care about the fact that i then sit on wet urine when i go to the bathroom. yeah it maybe absolutely um i wanted i want to switch gears and talk about something that's really prevalent right now it's been big in the news it's a hot topic and we've been talking about it for the last three weeks on this podcast and now it's really big um which is i don't know if you've heard about it but the Q QAnon movement are you familiar with the QAnon movement no not really not much okay so it's a uh, it, well if if you read the mainstream media it is a right-wing conspiracy theory that's been flagged by the fbi fbi for domestic terrorism and resulted in one fatality, a.k.a. Pizzagate, which was uh, something that happened at, a, at the Comet Pizza Place. Um, but the truth is, it's not on the FBI watch list. There was uh, some some little document that Yahoo had found. How much we trust Yahoo? I don't even know. But, um, you know, really what it is, is it's not a group. It's a collective of individuals. So it's people throughout the nation, individuals, who have been watching various different documentaries and things like that. Basically, um, the Q puts out a drop and it's a piece of information about something that's happening in the nation. And then it is on the individual to go answer the question and to see um, for themselves how they feel about that or what it might mean. Um, what we're seeing happening is that uh, it, it, is, it is easy to get quick down the rabbit hole, right? It's easy to start going down this and kind of having these eye-opening experiences that, that some people say are rooted in conspiracy. And I've recently seen some articles that say, uh, you know, QAnon is causing, it, like on CNN, Fox, uh, CBS, or not CBS, but uh, ABC, uh, QAnon is causing, you know, marital problems leading to divorce, da-da-da-da-da. Um, and I was curious about that. But I guess if you're not familiar, you're super familiar with QAnon, we can just say, what about when one spouse starts really kind of getting involved emotionally in, in something and in a concept and the other person isn't on board? How do you maneuver through that? Oh, God, that's the story of my life. Right. <laughs> it's really yeah, my everything. Yes. No, my husband's very passionate about politics and uh, and we are completely in, in different camps. And you just sometimes you just need to agree to disagree. If you are so passionate to the point where having a discussion is going to get really heated, I I would rather just say, hey, you are entitled to your opinion. I respect it. I cannot necessarily agree with it. You know, if you have something persuasive that you can provide me, I'll take a look at it and just have that um, openness to receive some information with the understanding that you are going to evaluate it and, and make your own decisions, because that's really your right to make make your decisions based on, on, on what you have in front of you and, and, and discernment, your own discernment. So without saying you're wrong, I think where we have the problems is when you are making the other person wrong and making yourself right. And that's what you really have to avoid at all costs. Just making the other person wrong. So true. So true. Um, the other thing that I think can be really helpful is like taking some physical breaks. Um, and by physical, I mean like space breaks, like 
Um, you know what? You're, you're really into whatever's happening on the news right now. I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go cook something or I'm going to go read a book or I'm like actually physically removing yourself from um, the situation when the other person's just really kind of writing. And this is true too of like, even if somebody had a super bad day at work you, and you can only handle it for a small period of time, you know, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hear you out for, for 15 minutes and then I'm going to go work on blank. Because I do think that it, it's easy to get sucked into, into some of these things and kind of, you know, get into a trap of uh, misery loving company kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know that. And I'm an empath. So for me, it's even more difficult uh, when my husband starts getting really, really emotional about certain things. I just say, I really can't have that conversation. I said, why don't, and he hates when I say this, but I said, you know, have you called your mom? I'm sure she would love to hear from you. Why don't you give her a call and talk about this? <laughs> she seems to be on the same Why don't you call someone else? Here's a quarter. Call someone who cares. <laughs> well, talk to your mom. Your mom would love to hear your voice. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, and I do remove myself physically. I do it. And sometimes I even do it. I Before COVID, I used to go on retreats so that I could just collect myself. I would go. I miss retreats. Oh, that's my favorite. I used to do them three, three, minimum three times a year. I miss retreats for sure. Yeah. I had to bring a retreat to my yard, basically. I had to create my own little <laughs> retreat center. Oh, uh, and I'm grateful that I have the ability to do that with my, you know, space and whatnot where I live. It's conducive to that sort of thing. I know there's a lot of people in apartments that are that are struggling with that. But there is a lot that you can do to create your own little kind of retreat space as far as, you know, having some oracle card set up or a little prayer book or a gratitude journal, some incense, a diffuser, you know, whatever. You can have you can have your own little space even in a 600 square foot apartment, really. No, I have my own like my own little altar at my desk in my office. I have my my angels. I have all these figures of angels and, and, and people who are important to me and things like that. Things that make you feel like you're in a sacred space, a place that is safe for you, where you, where you can feel at peace and be yourself. I, I think it's necessary and things that have uh, symbolic messages for you that are uplifting. I think that's really key. And you can do it anywhere. It can be just a little table or a little tray. It could be anything and anywhere. Hmm. Um, you mentioned being an empath. I picked up on that when you texted me earlier this week about the fire, the wildland fires to make sure that I was okay. I thought oh, oh, yeah. that was so sweet to check in and make sure we'd still be on for the podcast. Um, it is, it is Armageddon here. It definitely feels like the apocalypse. Uh, it's literally raining ash as I speak oh, right now, but, um, I'm sorry. But this has become the new norm, and um, I think that we've all kind of, uh, when King Fire happened near near where I live back in 2014, um, shoot, I say that, it might have been 2016, uh, it was very, very, very overwhelming. Um, but now, as the years have passed, we kind of, you know, keep our stuff by the door in preparation to evac and things like that. Like, we, I think we all kind of live in this certain level of, uh, of just a preparedness. And, and, and that's why I think more than ever, I feel very drawn into my relationships, like my family relationships, my friend relationships. I want to keep people that I love that know me truly close. Um, and I'm willing to look past a lot of, um, you know, uh, 
idiosyncrasies and annoyances and things like that, because it feels like there are much bigger things happening in the world to focus on right now than what used to irritate me. (laughs) Like more than ever, I'm feeling that. Um, Although I will say, I don't have incredible space for people with, um, with very alternate beliefs right now, just because it drains me. So I'm, I'm having to really find balance there. Yes. Well, you need to be, you need to surround yourself with positive people and people who uplift, you know, people who bring you down. You mentioned misery loving company and, and when you are around people who just want to commiserate, you need to get away from them because you are going to be feeling bad. You're going to just suck their energy and not be able to function. It's terrible. I, I agree with you and I don't associate with people who bring me down. Um, as empathic as I am, I really want to be mindful of what energy I bring into my space. Yeah. Yeah. Sonia, tell us a little bit about your new book. Tell us where people can get in touch with you. And of course we'll have that in the show notes. Can you share a little bit about all the, all the cool things you have coming up and also, um, your, your other book as well that you published? Tell us a little about that. Well, my first book is titled uh, Solve the Divorce Dilemma. Do you keep your husband or do you post him on Craigslist? And it is a, a step-by-step guide for women who are struggling in, in uh, unhappy marriages so they can uh, understand the traps that got them in their marriage and try to understand if they, what they need from a marriage and figure out if this is something they can create in their current relationship with their spouse and uh, make a, the divorce decision with confidence. I found myself in a very um, unhappy marriage when I was in my 20s, and I know what it's like, and I wanted to create something to help women who find themselves in that same situation. So I published that book in 2018, and um, the funny thing about it is that I was told men don't read this kind of book. It has to be for women, but I was very surprised that um, men are reading my book. And uh, that this is a market that needed um, needed to be helped as well. So I have created an expanded version of the book that is gender neutral. And the title is Relationship Solutions, Creative Strategies to Heal Your Heart and Create the Happiness You Deserve. And it will be published in November. And it is very similar to Solve the Divorce Dilemma, but it offers uh, more information. And it's also more male friendly. So anyone can take advantage of, of um, the techniques that are included in the book. And uh, now that it's gender neutral, even can be used by couples who are um, struggling in the relationship. So they can even answer the questions. It's kind of similar to your journal in some ways. It has um, a lot of reflections that the reader can go through to get a better understanding of how they got in this situation, what keeps them trapped in the situation so they can get out of, of the trap and create their lives the way they want, because we do have a choice on how we create our lives. Uh, that, that just sounds awesome. And of course we will absolutely put that in the show notes and thank you so much for, for coming on today. No, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. So this has been a But Why series of the BU Find Happy podcast, where we are having raw and real conversations during these incredibly cool times. And we hope that you like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Thanks so much for joining us today on the BU Find Happy podcast. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.